Good morning, Draft Crafters. It's Dan, it's JP, and dude, there's been a lot of football happening in just the short few days since we last uh, got together to talk about some some games. Yes, there's been a lot of football, but all I really want to know is if anybody ever gave Luca a beer. <laughs> We're talking about basketball, of course. It was last night. Luka Doncic, who is one of uh, probably our favorite players when it comes to the NBA, dude had 60 points. 20 boards, 20 boards, 10 assists, or 10, 20 assists, 10 boards. And it was 60, 20, 10. That's all I know. First time in the history of the NBA that someone has done 60, 20, 10, which just shows you the ceiling of that guy. He still hasn't even reached. It's insane. And they said after the game, uh, someone needs to get me a beer. I guarantee you someone in the, the, I think they were still at home in the Dallas area, got him a beer. And if they're on the road, someone on the road got him a beer. That man did not have one beer last night, I don't think. I think he had multiple. I hope so. And that's just a great, great way to uh, start off the show uh, because, you know, we talk about football and we talk about beer on this show. So it is kind of in the morning when we're recording this. We might not hit up the beer. We'll see where it takes us. But we are going to hit up the bowl games because holy freaking wow, have we had a lot of bowl games since the last 43 bowl games. There are 43 bowl games. If you get to 500, you get to a bowl game. If you're five and seven, there's even a chance that you might get a bowl game. And so I think we're going to go all the way back to, did we talk about Houston and Louisiana before or after they played? I think we talked about Houston and Louisiana. I think we talked about Wake Forest as well. Yeah. So we're going to start. I, with, I thought I thought we're starting with Buffalo and Georgia Southern. No, no. We're going to start with the Hawaii Bowl. We, we previewed the Hawaii Bowl. We didn't talk about it. So we're going to cover real quick a little Mendel, Tennessee, a little San Diego State. I took the Aztecs in this one. You took the Blue Raiders and the Blue Raiders won. Of course they did. They did. Why wouldn't they? Well, I told people you got to pay attention to Jalen Madden, their quarterback. Now, he hasn't had amazing numbers, but he was also the kind of guy that I felt like could show up and do something special, uh, depending on how the game played out. And at the end of the day, I mean, again, they did well enough, but they didn't do well enough, if you will. You know, it's kind of crazy uh, the way some of that stuff works out with just how games play out in bowl games. Maybe he was having too much fun on the beach. Who knows? But, uh, you know, hey, Middle Tennessee State, good team. And, you know, they played a great game. When you look at how the guys that uh, I wanted you to look at played, Madden had three picks. And that's part of the reason why that that didn't work out as well as I was hoping it would. Uh, And then the other guy on the offensive side of the ball, that was what I was more curious about, was Jonah Tavai. And he had uh, three tackles and one and a half sacks. And so good game for him, you know, overall. So that was something that that I was at least pleased to see that play out. Yeah, Middle Tennessee, I mean... I talked about four guys because I liked everything on the defense (laughs) there. I know, but the main two that uh, showed out and played pretty well was uh, Trey Flewellen and Jordan Ferguson. Um, Yeah, I mean, these guys are draftable. Ferguson was the 6'2", 271-pound edge rusher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will see how that translates to the NFL, but he he had a solid game. I mean, he had five tackles, three solo, tackle for loss, and Flewellen had 7'4-1". Uh, and Flewellen, he's he's also obviously going to be draft eligible. See if he goes. He's the junior. He was the guy that, uh, ironically, if I remember correctly, was the one that uh, I said I probably liked the best out of the bunch. Mm-hmm. He, he's a solid safety, six two two oh five. So I enjoy getting to catch a little bit of him. He could could be a fun guy to watch out for on day three if he goes pro. I mean, there's really no good way of tracking that just yet. <laughs> no. It is a little bit challenging when you're looking at how guys uh, end up making those choices given the COVID years. Usually it's like, oh, okay, it's either this or that. No, 
No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next game we had was the one in Detroit. It was the Quick Lane Bowl, New Mexico State, Bowling Green. I got stuck with the Falcons, and the Falcons got stuck with a loss because, you know, that's just how things are going to go for me right now. But congrats to New Mexico State. First time they've had a winning season at 7-6 and six in a very long time. And as far as the way the game went, the guys I told you to pay attention to, on the offensive side of the ball for Bowling Green, it was their quarterback, Mr. McDonald. He played like, I don't know, four passing plays because he got hit on what a lot of people considered one of the more dirty hits that happened over the course of the bowl season so far. And I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but dude definitely hit him out of bounds, flipped him up in the air, gave him a concussion. So that was the end of Matt McDonald's night in a hurry. On the defensive side of the ball, though, a guy I was very curious about because he's got some pretty solid measurables uh, at 6'4", 300. Carl Brooks, a guy you can move across the different parts of the defensive line. He graded out with a 94 on 41 snaps. He had zero tackles, but he did end up with a hit and a six hurries and you know batted a ball. And so that's one of those weird things where a guy can affect a game according to pro football focus, have an amazing score, and have zero counting stats to say for it. Yeah, it's it's strange when that happens. Yep, but again, uh, hey, the, he had a good game otherwise. Yeah, I can't argue with that. On, on the Aggie side of things here, um, the main guy that I want to talk about that I mentioned was Chris Ojo. And mm-hmm. he definitely had the best defensive game for them. Um, nothing crazy, but he had seven tackles, six solo tackle for loss. I mean, led the team uh, across the board on yep. those. So he he showed out. I mean, that's kind of what I, I was expecting. Uh, again, shocker, linebacker for me, <laughs> senior, 6'1", 220. So kind of around that new modern NFL linebacker size. So, right. again, could be another day three guy. We'll see if he can show out at the combine. I mean, it's a solid season. I mean, 108 tackles, five sacks, two two forced fumbles. I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and again, one of the reasons why we're talking about players like this and games like this is because a lot of these guys haven't gotten as much love over the course of the season because no. people tend to pay attention to the bigger teams. So another game with a couple small ones, the Camellia Bowl, because, again, fun names for bowls. I'm Jeez. pretty sure that's a flower. Uh, Buffalo Bulls and the Georgia Southern Eagles. Another good game. Buffalo ended up squeaking this one out 23-21. Georgia Southern tried to come back. It fell short. Players to watch on this game, I was telling you to look at uh, two of their wide receivers. And again, I say I was telling you to. Some of these games we didn't get a chance to talk about because of how things have worked out with uh, with just recording and everything like that. But Justin Marshall and Quian Williams, who are two guys who basically caught about the same number of balls, both of them in the 50s, both of them six, 700 yards, both of them five to eight touchdowns. Like So two guys that were going to be instrumental to Buffalo moving the football and potentially getting you know a win in this game. And when I look at the stats on how things worked out for them, I mean, it wasn't a bad game for them. But at the same time, I mean, you only scored, you know, 23 points. So it couldn't have been that amazing. Right. But looking at the box score for those two guys, I mean, Quinn Williams had a good game. Five catches, 100 yards. Justin Marshall. I know I was kind of teasing you a bit. 11 for 127 and a touchdown. So they were the reason why Buffalo moved the football. Ahmed's got some yards on the ground, too, but it was pretty much that. Now, this is a game that actually things worked out for me because Sean Dolak, the uh, 6'1", 225-pound linebacker at 135 tackles on the season, including like seven passes defensed in there as well, he also had a good game. And it's nice when the guys we think are going to have good games have good games. 13 tackles and a tackle for a loss in there as well. So Buffalo's boys made me look good for a change. Hmm. Thanks for that, Dan. You covered my guy. Ah. 
Sean Dolak. That was that was the guy that I previewed for this game. There you go. So why did I think I had Buffalo? Did you have Georgia Southern or did I have Georgia Southern? You had Georgia Southern. I had Buffalo. Sean well, Dolak was my guy. All right. Sorry about that. I am gonna let you know though, on the Georgia Southern <laughs> side of things, that uh, Bo Johnson had five for 118. Don't ask me why I thought I had Buffalo. But uh and then again, so I'm just gonna take the whole game. <laughs> Kadri yeah, Jackson. Tell you. On the Georgia Southern defense, I don't know if you've been paying attention to him. He's a 6'1", 230-pound linebacker, man after your own heart. Dude had 13 tackles and a one-and-a-half tackles for loss and a pass defense. So he's another one of those guys that uh, over the course of the season, 84 tackles, so he didn't have necessarily a spectacular year, but he had a pretty solid season. And if he's got the measurables, it's 6'1", 230, is, is pretty decent for a linebacker. If he's got speed to go with that, he could be somebody you see picked up towards uh, the end of uh, end of the draft. This year, next game on our list. Did you anybody else in Buffalo you want to talk about <laughs> after I took over? No, there? <laughs> he, no, Dolak was my guy. All right, well, I'm gonna let you start on this one. That's the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. It was Memphis and Utah State. Memphis destroyed the Aggies, thirty-eight to ten. Yes, they did. I, you know, I watched this game last night, and it just again, I always get caught up in trying to like get excited to watch two six and six teams go at it. Too <laughs> many bowl games. Sorry. But I was specifically trying to pay attention to Xavier Collins mm-hmm. in this game. I mean, he played okay. He didn't. He didn't do anything too crazy. But um, I can tell you this: he didn't. He didn't have the best game for them. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't have the best game defensively. They had some other guys. I mean, I even looked to make sure my eyes weren't crazy to make sure he didn't somehow grade out beautifully. So <laughs> I actually went to PFF on this one, Dan. But Proud of you. Xavier, Xavier Collins was the 11th graded defensive player they had. I don't know if you know this, but there's only 11 defensive players on defense. Not what you're usually going for. I know. They rotate them in and out. So a lot more played than that. And there's probably about 20. But still. But anyhow, so, I mean, he had a middle of the road grade at 64, but – um. He didn't like record like any stats really, so hmm. I don't really understand how that. That's why like I was like I don't know. He looks like he's all he's playing, but he's not doing anything. So I thought he <laughs> they probably were generous, right? Well, and again, just, the one thing that I've just learned because from, he had a higher coverage grade, that's what they were giving him. And right. I was like, okay. The one thing I have learned from looking at PFF, it looks like a sixty is pretty much the baseline score. So a sixty is what you're going to get if you walk on the field for one play and don't really do much. So. Just to put that in perspective, guys above a 60 are playing better than you expect them to play. Guys below a 60 are playing worse than you'd expect them to play. So it doesn't surprise me that a guy that doesn't seem like he did much would be a 64. Yeah. yeah I mean, I get it. All that all that makes sense. But again, he, he just didn't stand out mm-hmm. in this game to me at all. Now, a guy who kind of did to me was one of the safeties. But it was, it was weird watching this game, Dan, because he didn't, he didn't really do all that well either. Col- mm-hmm. I mean, Collins had like seven tackles. I mean, it was nothing crazy, but the safety that I want to talk about was the Joel Williams guy, I and mean, he didn't mm-hmm. even play a whole lot, but dude, they, they weren't even like targeting <laughs> him all that much. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it was weird. I think he came out of the game with a tackle. Mm-hmm. That was it, but I don't know. It was a t- it was a tough. It was one of the, it was the toughest bowl game for me to watch so far. So well, and I think it's it's tough when a bowl game gets out of hand as quickly as this one seemed like it did. I mean, Memphis is up twenty four three at halftime, and so this was just Utah State is not a team that's built to come from behind clearly. And Memphis is a team that's probably better than its six and six record come in and was. They just lost some close games, and when you do that, you put yourself into a mid tier or worse in this case bowl game. 
on the Utah State side of things, who's going to talk about Calvin Tyler Jr., their 5'8", 210 running back, who only had 16 carries, 79 yards. He did all right, but again, the game script got away from him pretty quickly, and so he didn't really get too much of a chance to shine, although they only threw 23 passes. So overall, this entire Utah State offense did not shine at all. On the flip side for the defense, I wanted to talk about uh, Daniel Gerziak. I think I said his name right. <laughs> and this is a this is an end for them. Guy who's 6'1", 245, so he's a smaller edge rusher, but solid edge rusher. I mean, he's had uh, 47 tackles, six and a half sacks over the course of the season. And in this game, he at least tried to do his best to affect things for his boys and uh, ended up with four tackles, two sacks, and two and a half tackles for loss and a pass defense in there too. So he had a pretty good game for a team that overall had a pretty bad game. Next up on the list, and now we're starting to get into the last two games that we've already, we're going to recap before we start getting into the fun ones. Coastal Carolina played East Carolina. I took the Chanticleers. You had the Pirates, and oh my goodness, on the back of the Pirate helmets last night, they had no quarter on there, which for those of you that, that ever watched Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever, no quarter basically means we are not taking prisoners. We're killing everyone. And that is the metaphorical thing that happened last night as East Carolina chopped off Coastal Carolina's head and made them run around like a chicken with their head cut off. 53 to it's, 29 was the score. How did your Pirates it's also do? A, it's also a great, great Led Zeppelin tune. There you go. So if you want me to start with the Pirates, I was going to start with Coastal Carolina. Well, you can start but, with whoever you want to start with. Uh, we'll start with the Pirates. Now nah, let's start with Coastal Carolina. Let's <laughs> do it. So I almost wanted to pick Coastal Carolina in this one because mm-hmm. quarterback Grayson McCall, mm-hmm. I don't know if you paid attention to him like on the season, but Dude had a fantastic, fantastic season. He's had a few um, fantastic seasons. Yes, he has. But, I mean, just to put it in perspective, this most – I mean, put it this way. He's only thrown – in the last three years, he's only thrown eight interceptions, mm-hmm. and he's probably thrown like 75 to 80 touchdowns. Right. For like seven, 8,000 yards. He takes care of the ball. All at about a 71% completion rate. So, but mm-hmm. I mean – Coastal Carolina or not, I mean, he's putting up some pretty crazy stats. Now, in this game, three different quarterbacks ended up playing. Grayson only threw 12 balls, completed 10 of them because Jared Guest was in there for another 11. Yeah, Grayson ended up getting hurt in the second quarter, and he was done. And again, for a guy who's jumping into the transfer portal and going somewhere bigger, presumably, yeah, he didn't want to push it after that point, I'm sure. I'm, I'm proud of him for being in the transfer portal and still coming back and playing for his team, but yeah. They were they were ready to hold him out after that. I look forward to seeing where he goes because he's six three two fifteen, so he's yep. got that pro tip prototypical like QB mm-hmm. size too. But um, he was the main guy from uh, the Chanticleers. I can't. I always Chanticleer. to say Chanticleers. <laughs> I always butcher their name. Yep, that's all good. Um, defensively, though, there was a nose tackle that I wanted to talk about. His name was Gerard Clark. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Clark, I was going to go check his PFF grade to see how he did. You know, they didn't even, they don't even have those for this game yet. Yeah. And that's one of the challenges to these games that are played, uh, the day, uh, before we do this kind of thing, because pro football focus, very good at getting grades out, not necessarily because of how much goes into it. Some of the lower tier games, they don't necessarily get the numbers done on as quickly. Like the next game we're talking about Wisconsin, Oklahoma state, all kinds of data on that one. Yeah, so in this game, he did not oh, record Lord. any stats, but I was right. looking forward to see it. Yeah, six four three forty. this is a nose tackle for mm-hmm. sure. But either way, on the other side of things, for East Carolina, I was focusing on two players in this one. 
one being a quarterback as well. Shocker. I didn't have any linebackers in this game. Doesn't even make sense. Wow. You okay? You feeling uh, all right? No. <laughs> no, their, their quarterback and, and running back was the way I was going on this one. Mm-hmm. But um Holton Allers, I don't know how you say his name. I think wow. Ailers, but yeah. He blew up 26 for 38, 300 yards and five touchdowns. And then the other one was Keaton Mitchell running back, 22 carries, 127 yards and a touchdown. It makes sense that these two drove this offense because they had themselves a day. Mm -hmm. Mitchell even had a couple grabs but didn't do anything too crazy. And and Holton even had a reception. Yeah, I'll tell you what, they they pulled out all the stops for those types of games. But Ellers is one of those guys who's not going to make it at the next level. I just don't see him. Mm -hmm. Somebody might give him a practice squad invite at some point. He's 6'4", 230, and they feel like they can just do something with him. But Keaton Mitchell has serious potential uh, when he gets to that point. He's a sophomore. He's one of those redshirt guys. So you could see him come out. You might take him the year. Not sure. All I know is he had 1,400 yards this year, and that dude has home run hitter all written all over him. He's a return man, too, for him. So Keaton Mitchell is a guy we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, if he doesn't come out this year. Yeah, absolutely. Next game, you want to, we got the Central Florida game here. No, no, I got one more to talk about. You trying to jump the gun, son. Oh, yeah, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. You got it's no, all you. Yeah, you got no horse in this one. This is uh, the Badgers and the Cowboys played last night in the backup bowl because when we talked about Grayson McCall, you know, doing his team right and playing in the uh, in this game. Both Wisconsin starting quarterback Graham Mertz and Oklahoma State's quarterback, Spencer Sanders both jumped into the transfer portal and said deuces, boys. Now, I'm, I'm sure it was you know, a nicer exit than that, but neither of those guys played in this game. Mertz has already said he's off to Florida this year, and uh, so he's going to take over for Richardson, presumably. At least that's his hope. And uh, Spencer Sanders has not said where he's going yet. But uh, when you looked at who I wanted to see in these games, uh, I wanted to look at tackle Jake Springfield for Oklahoma State. Uh, who had only like a 67 for pro football, but he seemed like the most consistent performer on that Oklahoma State offense because they had a lot of up and down, a lot of injuries this year. Uh, And then Wisconsin, I'm going to talk about both of them. I'm going to do it this way because it's offensive line guys on both of these games. The center, Joe Tipman, who's probably like the seventh or eighth best center in a lot of people's minds throughout the the season right now. Uh, He is another guy that I wanted to pay attention to to see how he did on there. And he only played like half the game. Because, again, I feel like he's a guy who was coming toward the uh, the draft and was kind of had his eye toward that. And so he didn't necessarily do a ton in this one. Uh, but he still got out there, still played a little bit. Uh, and it just led to uh, not a whole lot of anything generated for them as far as the stats are concerned. But uh, on the Oklahoma State side of things, same thing. It's really hard sometimes to uh, to parse out tackles and guys like that but jake springfield had a pretty average game he actually got outplayed by the guy playing left tackle in this case uh but again springfield big boy he's six five three ten tipman six six three seventeen those two are large individuals playing at big schools they will get a look on the defensive side of the ball for oklahoma state i was curious about jason taylor the second not as far as i can tell related to any other jason taylors that have played football in the past uh, but six foot two fifteen, second team All American this year as a safety, and uh, definitely somebody that I was curious to see. He he came up, and made some decent plays here and there. Uh, didn't see his number called a ton in this one, but you know he had a sixty eight as far as Pro Football Focus was concerned. Ended up with ten tackles, so he had himself a decent game there. Uh, and again, they didn't test him much in coverage, I think, because he's playing more center fielder for this one. But he's got that six foot two fifteen kind of size that you like to see out of a of a guy you're going to move around in the backfield. Uh, so definitely somebody worth keeping an eye on because he's got the the you know, hardware, so to speak, 
to be able to show out for that. And then on Wisconsin side of things, I got you a linebacker, JP. Hey. I'm make sure you felt better about this game. And uh, that is uh, Mr. Herbig. And Herbig was another guy that I wanted to see what he could do, where he could get to, uh, how he could set stuff up, because this is a guy who's, again, 6'2", 228, exactly what you'd expect, 11 sacks. He had nine sacks last year. So somebody who seemed like he was going to be putting his team in position to make some plays in this game. And Wisconsin did end up winning the game 24-17, so points to them for that. But uh, but as far as like the box score and how he did in this game, I couldn't find numbers for him on pro football focus. And again, this was last night. So, you know, hey, but I'm increasingly of the opinion this brother didn't play in this game. So, you know, hey, that's the fun part. Yeah, fun part of us previewing. But I do want to give a shout out to Mema Nyongmeta, which I think is how you say his name. Another guy who's put up tons of tackles from this year. Me, Dan. Right. Another linebacker. And he had a 76 in this game. So he had a solid game for Wisconsin and he actually played in this one. Okay, so we got four games tonight. And I think the way we're trying to do this, JP, is we're going to be back on again tomorrow to talk about these games and preview the next like 77 games or whatever it is for the weekend coming up. But to start things off, it's the military bowl. That one sounds like fun, but it's presented by Paraton, which I don't even know who that is. It's fun when you get to some of these games that have sponsors that you have never heard of that company, which is obviously what they're going for. UCF and Duke, you've got the Knights. I do have the Knights, and you know what? For a few of these upcoming games, I'm cheating. I'm not sticking ah. with two players, so I'm going to keep my takes pretty oh, all right. pretty short here. But for Where the Knights, I? yeah, for the Knights, I want to give a shout-out to center Matthew Lee. Um, he's a fourth-year guy who is draft eligible. He's 6'4", 295. Took a huge step forward in this fourth year. I mean, he's definitely graded out a lot better, and he finished the season on a strong note. What I can say is, A, he's only had two penalties the entire year, mm-hmm. but also um, his pass blocking is his strength, which is kind of crazy because mm. it seems like all the sacks on the Knights must come from the outside because collectively <laughs> their quarterbacks have been sacked 30 times. All right, then. But he has a like a 90-plus pass blocking grade so mm-hmm. wanted to give a quick shout out to him the other two uh players on this team Sherman morris brash defensive lineman and mm-hmm. linebacker jason johnson so mr johnson has got 122 tackles one and a half sacks on the season as a linebacker so a solid season there he is draft eligible i don't know if he'll come out he's 6'2 right. 200 so he is small so I definitely want to pay attention to him because he might be one of those guys who isn't athletic enough to play safety at the size of a safety and might mm-hmm. be too small for linebackers. So he might not even transition to the NFL. Gotcha. But just want to give him a quick shout out because he's definitely contributing on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, Tremont Morris Brash. It's almost the same story, dude. Mm-hmm. He's contributing quite a bit on this team, but he is a senior. So he is going in the draft, but, He's only 6'2", 245 as a D lineman, Dan. Okay, so like he's going to have out, to make that's choices. Like a bit, that's like a heavier outside linebacker type right. thing. And, he, again, he could be one of those guys who just isn't athletic enough to play on the outside, so he plays on the inside. So it's going to be interesting because I feel like right. this, this Knights team outside of the center has good <laughs> players for their team, but I right. don't really expect a whole lot to transition from this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting. Some of these guys can carve out niches in the NFL in certain like complementary roles. But yeah, that's that's a tweener size. So unless he figures out a way to impact the game uh, in something that's measurable, again, like we talk about with the Lions with Houston, who's 
right now as a rookie. Pass rush, and that's it. Just go. Yeah, something like that maybe could work out for him. On the Duke side of the ball, tackle Graham Barton. He is a junior, so he might not come out, but he's 6'5", he's 3'11", he's graded out in 86. So the last two years, and he's one of those redshirt juniors, something like, or it's, he's a true junior, so he still could come out if he wants to. He's probably going to come back for another year, in which case he might be one of the top tackles coming back next year. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, safety Jarius Joyner, 6'2", 200. 89 tackles in the season, four passes, defense, two INTs, exactly what you expect from a safety. About the size that safeties are coming in. He's actually kind of more a corner size anymore. Seems like a lot of the corners are getting up over six foot, six two. Uh, but again, with the way that the uh, defense is played right now in the NFL, a guy can be that size and play any of those positions in the, the defensive backfield. And so he's somebody that I'm going to see how he can affect a game against a team like UCF that is good, but maybe are they at the level of an ACC school? So this is where some of these guys have a chance to go out and and show off against somebody that they should do well against. What what games like this do for me is if they don't play well against a, a team like UCF that plays in a lower conference, if you want to call it lower conference, uh, but and isn't necessarily one of the powerhouses this year, even though they've had some good seasons in the past. If they don't play well in a game like this, that's when I'm more concerned. Next one on the list for us is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Kansas Jayhawks, Arkansas Razorbacks, you have been a hog lover all season long. I have, and I'll do again. I got three players, but I'll do the first two really quick. So I I know two, of two, them already. O- two offensive linemen. Oh, okay. I don't go ahead. Yeah, well, there's some players that I like on the team, but they're not necessarily draft eligible, so I can't right. talk about them today. Mm-hmm. Uh, center Ricky Stromberg and tackle Dalton Wagner. So Stromberg, mm-hmm. it's not as good as my center from the Knights, but solid season. You know, it, it, I. Six four three eighteen, great size for mm-hmm. center. So I, I, you know, committed a few more penalties than my previous center, but um, <laughs> worth giving him a shout out. I want to watch him in this game because I know the run game's been going strong, especially mm-hmm. for the underclassmen running back. We'll be talking about in the future. Dalton Wagner's another big reason why this run game's been going so well. I really want to watch him. I think mm-hmm. he's graded out a little bit better than Stromberg, but the reason I want to pay attention to Wagner is just because he has played well. But this guy's six nine three thirty seven. It's a large man. This is a large, large tackle that I want to – I mean, they're getting things done offensively. So I'm going to be watching this offensive line, let's just say that. But more importantly, you know who I'm talking about. Yep. My guy, Mm -hmm. Drew Sanders, been on this guy all year. Junior, (laughs) 6'5", 232 pounds. Dude, I'm telling you. You can call it a lazy comp if you want, but ah. he kind of reminds me exactly of Leighton Vander Esch when he was at Boise State. That's a good comp. It is. I mean, he's had on He'll the season, it. he's he's had 103 tackles, nine and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, fumble recovery. He's got a pick. He's got five pass deflections out there, Dan. There you go. This is one of those guys where I don't even go to PFF to see how he grades out because it should just <laughs> say great. Oh, you know I'm tempted now. I will definitely be watching him. Yeah. Number 42. Keep your eye on him. Best yeah. player on the field. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk Seriously. about how he did. No, and we will. We'll talk about how he did uh, tomorrow, potentially. And then uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks, they've had a weird season. It's been up and down for them when it comes to just how things have played out for them overall. But again, better than we've seen from Kansas in the past. So good for them. Uh, Devin Neal running back. 1,061 yards, but he's been averaging six a pop because he's only carried the ball 171 times. And 5'11", 210, he's technically just a sophomore. So he's a guy that I'm going to be paying attention to in the next couple seasons as well because you could see him coming out 
obviously after next year, potentially as a running back, we see that more often than not because guys are, you know, <laughs> trying to protect their themselves for the rest of their, their career at running back. And then on the defensive side of the ball for the Jayhawks, Lonnie Phelps, 6'3", 245, edge rusher in that tweener sort of edge rush size. Again, more outside linebacker probably than defensive end, but 54 tackles, seven sacks in there. And so that's kind of the, the type of player that uh, I'd be curious to see how he's going to to do against a SEC offensive line, so to speak. And again, he's graded out with a 76. So, I mean, he's definitely somebody who's ready to go and can play at that level. And he is uh, definitely a guy who's coming out this year. So not someone I'm expecting to be drafted high, but a good game here, potentially a senior bowl type ride for him could get him into the back half of, of the of the draft. And so that's one of the games for tonight. Another game tonight, North Carolina and Oregon. This is probably the game we're most looking forward to from a matchup and team oh, yeah. standpoint. And it's the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. And the Holiday Bowl throughout the course of bowl game history is usually one of the better not premier bowls anyways and so this one looks like it's going to be the case and you've got some quack 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 to talk about i do but i got a quick question so i'm gonna, I'm oh, gonna okay. cover i'm gonna cover three people on this one again Whoops. Right. uh d- I'm tell me if i'm this. crazy tell me if i'm crazy bo nix isn't he coming back somehow Bo Nix he's says he's one, coming back, and I and this is he's got one, one of those weird fifth year eligibility. Well, things. Yeah, the, the eligibility thing obviously is all over the place because of COVID. But this is something the one thing that we're seeing out of the NIL deals that is happening that is going to make it more interesting for players that we would normally think would jump to the NFL because what are you going to prove in another year of college? Is they're getting enough money to where what they would have made on their first year of their rookie deal is being met to to an extent. I mean, some of the guys at the very top level are still going to get more out of their rookie deal. Potentially. Uh, but a lot of those guys are getting several hundred thousand dollars, not confirmed. I don't have these numbers. You're just hearing rumors and stories to play another year of college football. So why not do it again, especially if you're Bo Nix, who's probably wasn't going to be a first or second rounder. Play really well next year for Oregon. Put yourself in the conversation for a lot more money. The only way I'd argue against us, because that's a one year deal in quotation marks, if you will, versus, you know, the multi-year deal. Right. And again, you're always but, you're always betting on yourself and you're looking at the potential for injury. There's no doubt about that. So with that being said, I won't go too to I won't even go into Bonex. Everybody knows <laughs> Bonex had a pretty solid season, but mm-hmm. I was planning on talking about him, but then I found out he was going back. So what I'll do is I'll I'm quickly transition to two players, completely different takes on these two guys. So okay. I'll do the easy one. I'll do the low hanging fruit. <laughs> my number one cornerback in the entire class as of today. So oh my goodness. Change, maybe. Yeah. You are in love with this man. I've decided he's your man crush for this year right now. He is right now. I can't. Well, unless you're counting Will Anderson, but yeah, I mean, that's an obvious one. Exactly. So yeah, based on how we want to, yes, Christian Gonzo is my guy. 6-2-201 corner. Dan, Mm. sophomore cornerback who's, there you go. We just talked about a senior quarterback (laughs) coming back, but a sophomore cornerback going pro. It is yep. COVID has made things so dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, Christian Gonzalez, 51 tackles as a corner on the season, seven pass deflections, four picks. He's just good. Mm-hmm. He's so good. I, I'm going to be good size. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like I, all I want to do is watch Oregon defensively because I want to <laughs> watch him and make sure that number zero backs up my crazy draft crush. Mm-hmm. But I also want to watch number one. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to watch number one, Dan. Because you want no him Sewell, in man. <laughs> well, do I? That's why I want to yeah. watch him. 
Right. I don't know if I do or I don't. I mean, he, you heard some of the linebacker stats we threw out there, 100 plus tackles and some sack. Dude had 55 tackles with a sack and a half. Right. Three pass deflections, pick, can't really, I mean, that's pretty solid. But just like, dude, that is not the season we were expecting. From right. Him. Yeah. He didn't really progress so, from last year in the numbers and the counting stats. I'm not sure if maybe no. he did mentally or something, but. Heck no, he didn't. Last year he had 114 tackles with four sacks, two forced fumbles, still got a pick, mm-hmm. had five pass deflections. You basically chop his numbers in a half across the board. That's what we, how he did. Right. And again, who knows? If he, uh, we haven't at least heard any stories about was he battling injuries? Were they scheming him differently? Whatever. But uh, but yeah, seeing how he plays in this game, because he strikes me as one of those guys. And one of the reasons why I think if he comes to Detroit, he might be all right is because his big bro isn't going to let him slack off. But he strikes me as one of those guys that might have gotten a little bit of the Kayvon Thibodeau disease of do I really push it all the time or not? Maybe. And maybe that's the case. But I just want to watch him because this guy's mm-hmm. still he's still a top two linebacker in this class. Everywhere you look, it's always either him or Simpson. But it's usually Simpson one, Sewell two, Drew Sanders, my guy, mm-hmm. three. Right. But Sewell's the guy who was my guy before Drew Sanders just came and <laughs> took over. Right. All right. Well, who else you got for that team? That's it. Those, those okay. were my three. Wasn't sure if you were trying to throw somebody else at me. Well, North no. Carolina, dude, I'm doing low-hanging fruit for North Carolina as well because we've been talking about him quite a bit on the offensive side of the football, and that's Josh Downs. 5'10", 175, little quick slot wide receiver, 94 catches, after having a little over 100 last year, 1,029 yards and 11 touchdowns. And again, this dude has produced everywhere, every season he's been there. And so I'm quite curious to see how he does in a bowl game against a motivated uh, Gonzo out there. That'll be a great matchup if the two of them end up on each other because Gonzo's got the size on Josh Downs. And so that should be fun to see how that plays out. Drake May is the other guy that everyone's talking about, the quarterback that uh, supposedly had $5 million deals on there from schools to transfer away from North Carolina. No truth necessarily to that that we can point to. He's going to Notre Dame. No, he's not. It's not going to That's Hartman. That's Hartman's going to Notre Dame. Hartman's going to Notre Dame. Yeah, the Wake Forest guy's uh, headed over that way, which is an interesting move for him. We'll see how that pans out for him. But yeah, Drake May is his family has North Carolina lineage running through their veins. There's no way he's leaving there. They're going to make it worth his while to hang around. But uh, the other guy is Cedric Gray, another linebacker. I'm giving you linebackers today, bud. 6'2". I, yeah, I knew you would. 230-pound guy, so very prototypical linebacker size. 136 tackles, five passes defense, two picks, even threw a sack in there. So this is a guy who can play all over the field. And again, I'm not sure. I'll be curious. He's another guy that if he can show up at the combine and show the right you know numbers in the sense of the speed, the agility, the quickness, will definitely be rising up some draft boards because of uh, what he's been able to produce for North Carolina. And again, this will be a fun game to see how he can do against a competition that is a little different than what they may see in the in the ACC. And again, you know, a guy like Bo Nix, can you shadow him? What are they going to do? I mean, he's one of those guys too, though. And I'd say talk about draft stock rising. His technical draft eligible year is next year. But that's something, again, that we've seen. He's three years out of high school. And that's usually the when I put a number on and say, okay, this guy can come out. Don't know if he will or not, because again, a lot of these guys are in that weird tweener zone. But uh, I will say that Cedric Gray has made me stop paying as much attention to Storm Duck. That's sad times for you. That was Storm Ducks. Your, that's your name, man. I had to get that name in this at least a little bit. All right. Last game that we're going to talk about before we move on to some beer and some NFL. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty more to talk about. We'll do that tomorrow. The Tax Act Texas Bowl. 
And this is a home game for Texas Tech playing Ole Miss pretty much. Now, home in the sense that it's in the state of Texas, which is still gigantic, but you get the idea. Who are we talking about with the Red Raiders? You did. There's, I'm convinced there's only one. This could be crazy. Maybe I'm missing <laughs> something, so maybe I look like an idiot Probably. here. Tyree Wilson's the only guy getting drafted off this team. You might not be missing anything. That's just that's just how I feel. And here's the crazy thing. I'll okay, Tyree Wilson, six six, two seventy five, edge mm-hmm. rusher. You know, have seven sacks on the year. Um, solid season, man. Nothing, right. nothing to laugh. It's sixty one total tackles, seven sacks, forced fumble, fumble recovery. Yeah, solid season. Mm-hmm. But here, here's the general conversation. Just real quick. Hey, when you look at mock drafts and hear people start talking about them because that season's approaching very quickly, if it hasn't already, right. They're, like people are talking about him almost like he could end up being like the number two edge rusher. Like he could even surpass a Miles Murphy in this. Right. I think he's good, but I just don't see it. But you and I had this conversation off the air. I don't know that I even mm-hmm. see it with Miles Murphy per se. Well, like, again, outside talking... of Will Anderson, I just don't right. see a true like blue chip edge rusher in this. And part of it is because we got spoiled last year watching guys like Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson continue to be Will Anderson and Thibodeau. And, and Thibodeau, yeah, even, even Walker with, a little bit. Yeah, even with the knock on uh, the joke on Thibodeau about the the hustle thing, the dude could still produce what he did even when he wasn't hustling. But yeah, it does seem like this is a different year where there might be a lot of good edge rush talent, but not that elite level. And I think the reason why people are talking about Tyree the way they are is because they look at him and say, well, this man was designed to play football. So they just expect when you look a certain part that you're going to be a certain part. And that doesn't always translate to the NFL. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be fun. I'll definitely have to watch him because I got to figure it out. Yes. I feel like I'm much lower than the rest of the world right now. They all have tools, tools, tools. That's all I hear. <laughs> Anybody else on Texas Tech worth talking about? No, I don't think anyone else is going to draft. Careful with that. Those are a lot of big boys who may not appreciate it. Whoops. <laughs> all right, flipping over to the other side. It's a little bit of Ole Miss, a team that you have always been annoyed that I get to talk about and you don't. But I'm going to start yeah, I with... I traded them to you. Yeah. I had to. Yeah, well, you've you've got other allegiances that you had to pay homage to. Quinshawn Judkins, such a fun name, running back. This is not a guy that I'm even considering worrying about for another year or two with the draft because he is a freshman, but as a freshman, has the highest grade on the team for what he's put together for these guys. And when you look at his numbers, 1,400 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns as a freshman coming in on this Ole Miss team. So definitely someone I haven't got really gotten a chance to watch a ton of Ole Miss football. So I want to see what he can do against, uh, I don't know, I guess a Texas Tech team where no one's getting drafted, right? Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, A.J. Finley, safety, 6'3", 205. So again, that prototypical safety size you want to see. 71 tackles, two picks, couple passes defensed. But again, some of these guys are guys that I'm looking at because when I, I pull up the stats on the team when I pull up the guys that I think are either going to be draft eligible or someone that I want to talk about. I mean, he graded out at the top end of this old Miss defense. So, and again, the way, the way I look at it too, is like, there's sometimes guys who have higher numbers, but they played like two games and had a bunch of uh, really good stats in a game and a half or whatever, you know? So he is the the best full-time player on this old Miss defense. And uh, again, he is someone who might not get too much of a test today. I don't know. Uh, this does seem like a game that Mississippi should win. And that's exactly why I'm going to be curious to see how it goes because bowl games are weird. Yep. Bowl games are there because there's too many. Keep going <laughs> back to that, Dan. Well, the seven and five Red Raiders and the eight and four Ole Miss Rebels are both very happy that there's all these games because these guys get to do a little more practicing. The coaches love it because they have, you know, an extra three, four weeks to to keep instilling things in these guys, especially ones that are coming back next year. 
And these players always get some cool stuff out of these bowl games. Sometimes it's incredibly crazy. I mean, there's a, there's a cap because the way the NCAA does stuff, but these guys at least get to go do something cool and have a good time. And we're going to have a good time watching those games. We also always have a good time talking about beer. So let's hop over to our little beer break in the middle here. And we decided because, you know, we usually do a lot of these college football games. We looked at the games, their teams and their states we talked about pretty recently. So we decided to talk about a couple of states where we have not been able or regions. We have not been able to find beer here in Michigan and stuff we want to try. And that's Nevada because we talk about the Vegas and uh, some of the other teams in there that we just can't seem to find anything from there. And then Washington, D.C., because we have, you know, the the commanders and we have other uh, Baltimore in that area. But finding things for the District of Columbia. Go ahead, bud. Where do you want to start us off? I'm going to start out in Nevada, man. I'll join you. I think we've, we've mentioned it quite a few times on the show that you and I both are quite a big fan of the coconut, especially when we're talking, uh-huh. you know, we talked about the Oscar blues, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, death by coconut. That was a great beer, but not so far away from Oscar blues, Nevada. It's revision brewing company has an, mm-hmm. an American Imperial stout. It's called coconut pie face. That just, that, and, just I mean, happened. you and I already know, like we grab that and just be like, yup. So this right. is an 11.7% alcohol. He scored a 94 on Beer Advocate. Um, nice. Quick description on this. Mountains of freshly toasted coconut, loads of cocoa nibs, and thousands of Madagascar vanilla beans. Mm-hmm. A top-rich imperial stout base, blah, 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 blah. Sold. Are you not? <laughs> yes. I yeah. am all in on this if I ever find this. Well, here's what I can I'm tell you. I am probably buying more than one, even having not tasted it. There you go. Because my beer is also from Revision, and it's the Disco Ninja, which just sounds like fun, right? It's a Northeast-style hazy name. IPA, cool. right? It is a cool name. The, and they, they worked with Shoe Tree Brewing and uh, did a little combo with the Citra, Galaxy, Mosaic, Amarillo hops. And it's 7%er with a 40 IBU, so it's not going to be over the top. It's definitely going to be an approachable IPA. And that's the thing I keep telling people. If you aren't a huge IPA fan because you probably tried something that sounded like it felt like a bunch of hops were exploding in your mouth, go the hazy route. Hazy IPAs are generally lower on the IBU, so they're not going to be as bitter. They're usually more fruit forward, and so they've got that combination. But I'm looking through Revision Brewing's website, and again, this is not a beer we can get here in Michigan, and they are not paying us to talk about them, yet please feel free to send beer. Uh, But they have got so many ones that I want to try. We may need to make a road trip or a flight trip out to Reno, Nevada, and uh, and pop over to Sparks to check out some of these beers because you've got your coconut pie face that you want to try, right? They mm-hmm. also have in their pastry style imperial stout set. They have one called carrot cake ice cream sandwich, which I think both of us would would enjoy. Dude, and I kid you not. So like I'm getting way off topic now, but <laughs> my all time favorite like breakfast granola bar, the Cliff Bar, the carrot cake yeah. one that you can never find anywhere. Right. I love carrot cake stuff. There you go. They also have a filbert fudge, which is fudge with hazelnuts, cocoa nibs, vanilla beans. I would love that one. They have an entire barrel aged imperial stout series. That looks like the kind of stuff you're not going to get too far outside of the area. And then they've got experimental seasonal. This is a brewery that, again, we don't hear about here in Michigan because and I, people who are listening to this on the on the West Coast are like, of course, they're amazing. Whatever. You're you're dumb. It's like, no, we're just unfortunately not able to get beer everywhere. And uh, we definitely need to figure out. Uh, we need to talk to our people and see if we can get them to get us some revision beer in here at some point, because there's definitely some stuff I want to try from those guys. D.C. area. Again, this is a much smaller region, if you will, even if they've got almost the same population maybe as Nevada. Uh, what did you find over there, JP? I'm going to do this one a little backwards. First of all, this one scored a 94. Okay. Or 91 versus the 94. I personally think this one would beat the coconut pie Ooh. face, despite me talking about how much I like 
coconut. All right. The reason being is, is you know how I've been saying several times that I just like the basic stouts, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's not artificially flavored. This or that. Just do a stout and do it right. Guess what the description on this one is? Oh, Imperial uh, Stout aged in wheat bourbon barrels. Period. Well, there you go. Do you really need to put more on it? I don't think so. <laughs> this comes in at fifteen and a half percent. Okay. Yeah, she's yeah. packing a punch. Okay, this is from DC Brow Brewing Company. Mm, and I believe Brow. I pronounced Brow right. B R A U. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Brow, Brow. and we're gonna go German with yeah. it and call it DC Brow. Yep. And <laughs> it is an American Imperial Stout, but it's called Wake Up in the Future. No, okay. sweet name too. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know who would win. I would love to have this battle. I would think the underdog is going to come out with a W for me personally in this one, but wake up in the future, man. I need to see that. Well, here's what you need, actually. You need their wake up in the future vertical four pack, which has the the barrel aged stout from 2022, 21, 20, and 2019. Yeah, get that for me, will Let's see if I can come up with that. I'm actually going out to D.C. in a few weeks. If I can pull that off, I will for you, bud. But I also yes. am going to be talking about something from D.C. Brown because it seems like they are one of the bigger breweries in the uh, the Commonwealth and uh, in the District of Columbia, rather. And that is one that I don't know if you can still get anywhere. I've seen a few ratings on it uh, this year, but for the most part, it looks like this might be one that they put out and uh, they haven't done again like it was a one-off. But On the Wings of Armageddon which again, just a fun name. Had a 96 on Beer Advocate. Yeah, exactly. 9.2%, which for a Imperial IPA is right exactly where you expect it to be. And this is one uh, that they used uh, Kara 60, Kara Pills, Malted Wheat, Little Falconer's Flight in there. It's like, so it's got a bunch of fun notes and everybody who rated this, I mean, rated it very highly. You had a 4.3 on Beer Advocate. Again, there hasn't been, uh, there's been a little over like 1,800 ratings, but a lot of these, are from back in the day because th- this one first got added a decade ago. So this is a beer they did for a while. I don't see it on their website right now, so I'm not sure if they're still putting it out there or if it's just super seasonal and one-off-y kind of thing. Uh, but definitely one that I want to try from them along with some of the other ones because, again, if I can get there and find you that uh, Wake Up in the Future vertical pack, I will. <laughs> I Anything will else in the beer world? That. All right. No, I don't think so. Well, that'll cover it for that, and we'll jump into the NFL because, by the way, there was still NFL games this week. There, yeah, all on a different day. Yeah, this was there. one of those. And now we get to this point when the college games aren't as prominent, so they do take over Saturday. And because Saturday was Christmas Eve, that was our last show. There were most of the games were on Saturday, and so let's quickly rip through all these. And uh, we start off with Jacksonville and New York on Thursday night, and Jacksonville just stomped them. Well, nineteen to three. I don't. Okay. The stomping because uh, the Jets looked like they couldn't do anything in this game. That's fair. There's one player specifically who's been stomping the past like three weeks in a row. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm, you know, I'd love to talk about some other players on here, but I cannot believe how good Evan Ingram's been playing. Yep. This is this is a guy that they acquired because the Giants moved on. Yep. But it's an undersized tight end, six three two forty. But he's just been an absolute freaking terror. The guy always had the athleticism. That was never the question mark. The question was, could he put things together and and be consistent? And they're scheming him into the right spots. Look at these last four games. Seven for 30 and a touchdown, nothing crazy. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, 15 for 162 and two, 10 for 62, eight for 113. Mm-hmm. Just on, a, on an absolute tear. Like, yeah. in our fantasy league, like I could keep him with the ninth pick and I wouldn't be crazy. 
No, you wouldn't be not if they continue to play him the way they have. And and he again, he's just he's found they they have found ways to scheme him into matchups where he, he gets open. Then the reason I want to talk about him is it, has he become Trevor Lawrence's favorite target? Has he surpassed yes. all the wide receivers? Like yes. even Christian Kirk, it yep. seems lately. Right now, he is. Even Zay because... Jones had like a game sprinkled in there, but I feel like mm-hmm. the most consistent go-to guy is Evan Ingram for Lawrence. Right, and I think that's where Lawrence is at right now. I think he, because again, Zay Jones, not bad. Christian Kirk, not bad. Marvin Jones still has something in the tank. Dan Arnold even finds ways to get out there. Uh, and But Jacksonville, with Doug Peterson running that offense, has really put Trevor Lawrence in position to succeed this year, which I'm very happy about. This is exactly what I wanted to happen when I found out that Urban Meyer was going to take over the job in Jacksonville. Yes. Was that he was going to be out fast enough to where it wasn't going to screw up Trevor Lawrence. And so that's working out well for them. And that's the thing. Ingram's just getting in They're They're putting him in position to make plays and he's making plays in New York. He didn't make plays. So I don't know if it was the fact that he played for the Giants and they're a weird franchise. I don't know. All I know is he's having a lot more fun down in Jacksonville. Yep. And now it's time for you to go on like a 17 tear, isn't it? Because, <laughs> again, the way we do this, just in case you guys are wondering what order we do the games in, we pull up ESPN schedule and then we just rip through the games for the different time marks in the order. And the way it's working out right now, this is a weird week because I'm going to go on a tear and then you're going to go on a tear. So you just sit back and let me talk for a bit. Feel free to interject wherever you want. But I'm going to start off with the New York Jets. And they had an atrocious game all the way around. Zach Wilson didn't do too much. Uh, really, nobody on offense showed on this game, which shows by three points. He was getting booed at home mercilessly by the crowd. And so instead of going to Joe Flacco, instead of going to Mike White, who is still going through concussion protocol, they went with Chris Streveler. And Streveler is a guy who's been a career backup so far his his whole life. He's had a, a journeyman's thing where he started a couple games for Arizona when they were before Kyle Murray and all that. But Streveler came into the game, didn't play great, but did something. Nine carries, 54 yards, 10 of 15 for 90 yards and at least moved the football. Now, they still didn't result in any points because that can't happen for New York today. Uh, but Streveler came out and had himself a solid game for the Jets. Good for him. Uh, Quinn and Williams had another good game. Uh, C.J. Mosley had a good game for them defensively, so a few players showing up. And the funny thing was, Streveler had a terrible grade on pro football focus, but so did everybody else in the offense pretty much. Uh, Fant didn't have a good game. They still need offensive line help, in my opinion. Quincy Williams, who's had some good games sprinkled in, this is not one of them. And it's just one of those days where things just didn't go their way all the way around. And we see that in the NFL here and there. And this was one of those for New York. Next game, Buffalo and Chicago as we start off the Christmas Eve games. And Buffalo just ran over the Bears, which is kind of what we expected. JP, you were talking about this week. There's so many games that you wanted to have happen your way for things to work well for the Lions, for both the playoffs and the draft. It did not happen. None of it happened. Nothing, nothing. Not even a single thing. We're going to continue to see his blood pressure raise as we go through the rest of these games. But Buffalo just destroyed Chicago. And when you're trying to find positives for the Bears in this game, Justin Jones, Kyler Gordon played all right. Braxton Jones, they do have themselves a left tackle, which they found in the fourth round. Great for them in Chicago. And that's nice. Justin Fields played well, all things considered. But when you go to the other side of the football, I mean, Morrow, Brisker, Borum, Mustafer, a bunch of guys just didn't play well enough. They still need help in the D-line. They could probably use another offensive lineman, even with uh, grabbing the, the tackle they've got. And Fields still needs more guys to throw the ball to. So the Bears, and they're they're in that, that difficult spot of uh, where they're at right now because they're sitting at the second pick. If they can trade out of it, I would recommend them trade out of it and get themselves a bunch of of draft picks where they can help restock this team. If they don't, then Will Anderson seems like the right pick for them. Uh, We'll talk about that a little more 
in the next show. But then for the Bills, hey, look, Singletary and Cook both had almost 100 yards each. Deion Dawkins had a good game. Ed Oliver played well in the defensive line. Dane Jackson showed out for him. Uh, here's the thing for Buffalo. Roger Saffold, he's probably a great guy, but he continues to just have rough games at left guard. They need to find a guard at some point in this draft. It doesn't necessarily have to be the first round, but in the first three rounds probably, it would be a very good idea for them to find somebody who can help them out on the interior O-line. Matt Milano has been up and down all season two for them at linebacker. This wasn't one of his better ones. Next game on the list, Seattle, Kansas City. I know, I'm continuing to go. I'm trying to get to you. I kid. That's actually not the next game. It's New Orleans and Cleveland first. I'm going to have to talk for so long. New Orleans and Cleveland was an ugly game by two teams that are trying to find their way. I mean, do you have any thoughts on this one, JP? The New Orleans-Cleveland? Yeah. You go ahead and I'll chime in. <laughs> My point being, there's not much to talk about on this. Chase Winovich yeah. actually had a good game. So good for him there. Go Bradley blue. Chubb. Yeah, right. A little go blue there for you. Reggie Ragland, his first game, good game in a while. Uh, Mari Cooper continuing to, at least if not show out, play well enough to where they're, they're hopefully getting something out of that investment. But just they lost 17 to 10 to a New Orleans team that's still fighting for their playoff life. But Cleveland had a chance to do something and they they laid an egg. This is still not a good team. This is still a team that needs a lot of pieces. And the O-line, the D-line outside of uh, Miles Garrett definitely needs a hand. And and David Njoku didn't have a very good game. Johnson in the, the secondary along with Newsom, I could see them going corner as well. Uh, safety, they, they need some pieces on the defense. And they also need a little help in the offensive line because you got to keep your $230 million man upright as they go forward. The other side of the of the ball, uh, again, fun game for New Orleans Saints. They continue to use Taysom Hill in some weird, you know, who knows what's going to happen fashion. And the fact that he's still listed as a tight end in fantasy football makes him entertaining from that standpoint. But Rashid, Rashid Shahid has stepped up as a notable contributor for them on the offense in the wide receiver and kick returner game. And it's nice for them because of the question marks they have with Michael Thomas, uh, with the fact that Alave is a rookie. So good for him to step up and, and play well. Trevor Penning played well in limited action, only had like 20 snaps. All of it was running, uh, run blocking, but he did run block well. And so it's nice to see him continuing to uh, develop as they go through his rookie season. Caden Ellis, a third year, fourth year guy, the linebacker, has had double digit tackles, I think the last three or four games, continued to play well in this one. Teron Matthew as well, a little honey badger love. He had a good game. So New Orleans, a lot of good things to talk about. But Paulson Adebo, another tough game for him. That's another spot where I think New Orleans needs to focus on uh, in that defensive backfield. Last game before you get to chime in again here, bud. Seattle, Kansas City. Another game that this one actually did go the way you wanted it to. That's about the only one that went the way you wanted it to this weekend. Seattle did lose to Kansas City, which does help. I'll give you that. But that's about it. And again, 24 to 10, uh, casual win for Kansas City. Certainly not anything over the top impressive, but they did you know, well enough to win, if you will. And again, Pat Mahomes did Pat Mahomes things. But Travis Kelsey, six catches, 113 yards, continuing to be exactly who you'd uh, expect him to be for that team. Frank Clark and Nick Bolton both had good games. The defense really played well. The offensive line, who I've been given a bit of a hard time, had a decent game too. But Leo Chanel. Uh, at linebacker, had played well. Nick Bolton, double-digit tackles again. Willie Gay had a good game. And so Kansas City is rounding into form. And again, they're playing a team in Seattle that maybe aren't that great. Uh, they're, they've kind of overachieved at points this season. But on the flip side for them, on team guys who didn't play as well, Justin Watson, one of their you know kind of third, third fourth, fifth wide receivers. So he's allowed to have a bad game here and there and not hurt the team too much. But Legereus Sneed, who 
seemed like he was having a great season, has had a couple stinkers as they go down the stretch here. And George Karloftis, I know we both liked him coming out, but this dude is still figuring it out. He's had a lot of rough games as a rookie, and I'm not saying that that's not going to turn around, but he's still adjusting to the NFL. And again, he's not the guy that has the -the over-the-top athleticism, so I think he's still trying to figure out how his game is going to mesh at this level. But he's still getting tick out there. He's still playing... Uh, for them and so you know they're going to keep moving forward with him obviously they're not giving up on a guy uh, in his first season all right go ahead talk a little bit the giants and the vikings i need a break i'm gonna start i'm gonna start in minnesota man i mean a good quick shout out justin jefferson always does justin jefferson <laughs> yeah <clears throat> there's always that but my goodness i can't wait to see who actually ends up winning this trade did you see tj hawkinson <laughs> in this sucker Oh my goodness. Here's the thing. I I don't know understand why Detroit wasn't using Hawkinson more in the way that they did things. It's just how, you know, Johnson wanted to scheme things. So it is what it is. It made sense for Detroit to get something out of a guy they weren't using that much. But holy freaking wow has this man been doing a lot since he went over to Minnesota. Thirteen grabs, hundred and nine yards, two touchdowns in this game. Yeah, he helped me win a meaningless game of fantasy too. Thanks, TJ. There was some meaning by you winning, you just get Lesser yeah, you chance of you, winning the lottery. Yeah. So you have more ping pong balls now. Sorry, yeah, yeah. side note. So, moving on. <laughs> quick shout out to TJ. Wow. Mm. Yeah, like I say, we got to see what the Lions do with these picks, so we can in the future figure out who won this deal. Right. On the other side of the things, some things just stay the same, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm convinced that Dexter Lawrence is our, is the could arguably be the best nose tackle in football. Mm-hmm. I mean he. He only had six tackles, five of which were solo at least, and a tackle for a loss. But, dude, he just – he looks so good from that mm-hmm. position. He's so big. Do you realize the size of Dexter Lawrence, Dan? I, I don't think I can properly, accurately understand without being – 6'4 is tall, but, I mean, 6'4, 6'4, 342 pounds. That's just that – is, that is literally twice the man I am. No, it's probably more than that. <laughs> I'm talking about actual weight numbers. Pretty much twice the man I am. But I, I don't think I'd feel like he's twice the man if I stood next to him. I'd feel like he was, you know, eight times the man. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. He's having Large a human. hell of a year. He's just a very, mm-hmm. very good football player. So I had to take the low-hanging fruit with him. I mean, sure. if there's if there's a absolute bright spot on this defense, it's him. Well, you want to know what his pro football focus was? Uh, Sure. A 90. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> I, I'm fully on board with that. What was if you got that game up? Look at Daniel Hunter on Minnesota because he had seven tackles and two sacks. He probably had a hell of a game too. He had a 91.8. Yeah, yeah. But like you say, TJ and Dexter Lawrence in this one, both of them just great, great games, man. Mm-hmm. What do we got up next? Who's next? We got another one for me. We got yeah, the Bengals. You. Bengals and the Bengals and the, the, the Patriots. You know yep. what? Here, well, if you're on PFF, you know, I'm not even talking about a player. I saw PFF. Go ahead and go look at Joe Burrow's grade. I looked okay. at this game on this because I didn't see anything like nobody like stood out to me from the Bengals when I watched the game. Then mm-hmm. I went back and looked at the box four. Still, nobody stood out. Right. I was like, man, I wonder what PFF had to say. Mm-hmm. They absolutely love Joe Burrow in this. And the guy oh, yeah. turned the ball over twice. Oh, yeah. No, he got what so they- much love. Uh, wasn't it above a 90? 91.6. How? Uh, uh, 
<laughs> they don't really parse out and believe it or not it's funny because you know though for defense they'll they'll parse out like hits hurries pressures etc whatever Dude, they don't do anything I, for uh for the the quarterbacks man completely just derailed everything for me there i have no idea how he he got that high of grade <laughs> he I threw 375 yards yeah that's, that's i mean he he threw 52 passes and he completed 40. I mean, he had a high, high completion percentage. I'm trying to find something for you here. Dan, no, he doesn't deserve a 90 grade. That's all there is to it. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, though, just a general general conversation here. If you're new, what do we, what does New England do with Mac Jones? Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? I know his ankle, like, basically got severed and he taped it back up, <laughs> said he didn't need surgery. Right. I don't know. Like he, he looked like he finally bounced back a little bit. He was mm-hmm. on a three game, just awful, awful tear. Right. For a while. And when I say bounce back a little bit, I'm still being fairly generous. Mm-hmm. He completed 21 to 33 for 240 and two touchdowns. Now, the reason I say bounce back is because I'm convinced there's really nobody on this offense that helps him move the needle at all, except for maybe Jacoby Myers. He's right. at best the number two wide receiver. Yeah. So I just feel like Mac has no help on this. Mm-hmm. But his previous three games were not good then. Well, and that's not good. the thing. I mean, like Tom Brady didn't necessarily play amazing at the beginning of his career. He had a great team around him that let him grow into who he became. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Mac is going to do that. That's up to Mac. But yeah, he he's he's not a guy at this point in his career and his second season who is going to win you football games. He's not necessarily going to lose you games, but you need to do more than ha- just give the ball to Mac and see what happens. Like Trevor Lawrence is becoming a guy that you feel like you can give him the ball and let stuff happen and see where it goes. Mac is just, he's not there yet. He showed a few flashes here and there, but yeah, it's not. This I don't think they move time, on. Though. Okay. That's what I was going to say. I don't think you move on either. I think you still got to give him another year or two to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But going on to the, the game that I really, really don't want to talk about, I'm going to just go quick, and then I'll let you go on a run. Detroit and Carolina. Lions. Lions. Sure. Big Z. I'll let you talk about him. That was impressive. But <laughs> uh, the whole I don't care, especially because of Big Z, I'm sure you'll mention him, the whole draft defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. get it. We could potentially need a right guard. They could fix that in free agency or something. I don't care. What in the what in the world happened on this defense? Like well, the last two weeks, could, we need an interior D lineman, something mm-hmm. fierce to stop this run up the middle. We need yep. DBs. They could draft two or three DBs in this, would not be upset. And then Carolina, and then let's hand this over to you, CMC. Who? Hmm? Who needs CMC? Hubbard Foreman ran for like three thousand yards in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what there the was heck? very little, very little resistance. From the Detroit defense, and this is a team that seems like over the last couple of weeks has really regressed. And I don't know, obviously, if we knew why we'd be getting paid more than we are right now. But no one really had a good game on this defense. James Houston graded out the best, and that's because he only played 14 snaps and just got to rush the passer. Like everybody, everybody was at or below that kind of benchmark 60 number that that you like to see. And Alex Anzalone had a 29-9. And it's just and Rodrigo didn't do well. Lee McNeil didn't do nobody did well. Did well. Lee McNeil did the best out of uh, any of the starters aside from John Kaminsky. And and again, when you're talking about John Kaminsky is your best player on your defense in this game, no offense to John. I love his motor. He's not who you're expecting to be the guy that's going to be showing out for your team. And so just overall, it was a whole lot of, of you and I texting back and forth, shaking our heads and kind of wondering what just what happened. Because Carolina, not a bad team. 
they are not this good at running the football. They are not 320 yards running the football with guys averaging. They're not a good team. They're also not a bad team. But Detroit just choked. You yeah. start talking about playoffs. Exactly. Detroit's been playing like they had nothing to lose all yep. year, and they started to realize now we really have nothing to lose because we're one and six. Right. And then they started to play really good football. Now all of a sudden there's something on the line again, and they choke. And again, hopefully the Dan Campbell and the coaching staff takes an opportunity to say, look, guys, you had that moment. It's almost like cool running. So if you remember that movie, it's like you had the oh, chance yeah. and you choked. And that's kind of what they need to have that conversation and get these guys up early in the morning for some butt whipping time. But they only had 45 yards rushing in this game. And that's exactly the opposite of how the Detroit Lions want to play football. And so the the two bright spots offensively, DJ Chark is finally starting to show a little bit on that investment with four for 108. But then Zane Shane Zilstra, I can get his name backwards. Shane Zilstra, who's came into the, the year as like the third at best tight end, and of course has moved up the pecking order with the trade for Hawkinson. Five catches, 26 yards, three touchdowns. This man had the Jerome Bettis tight end line here pretty much, and the dude was just open so, in the end zone. Found ways so, to get open so. in the end zone, and that's great. It is silly, but it's also nice that Detroit has a tight end that they can at least throw the ball to in the red zone for a week hopefully he'll continue that uh, and give them something positive because there's not much positive to take away from this game i i i don't really want to talk anymore but i will say that the interior o-line did not play well and that's part of the reason why this game didn't go well they didn't they were not able to move a carolina defensive front that we haven't really talked about as being amazing so there's a whole lot of soul searching going on in detroit the good news is they win their last two games. They're likely still in the playoffs, but they need to win their last two games now when they've given themselves zero margin for error. And we can move on from that so you don't have a heart attack. Atlanta and Baltimore. This is my team, so you can stew on this one for a little more. Uh, both of these guys are teams that are kind of questioning that. where they're going. Yeah, right? Just let you sit there and marinate a bit. 19, 7 to 9. Seven, wow. See, I'm even thrown off. 17-9, to nine, Baltimore won the game, which is good. They needed to with Tyler Huntley, again, not having a great game at quarterback. Uh, and so Baltimore put themselves in the playoffs with this win, partially because Atlanta at 5-9 and nine coming into this game still did have a chance at the playoffs, but they've punted this season. Desmond Ritter, you've, you've seen what you need to from him the first couple of games. He's not ready. For this, for this yet. He's not playing incredibly badly. He's not, you know, Nathan Peterman throwing five picks or anything, but he's just, he's very pedestrian at this point. 22 or 33, 218 yards, nothing special. Tyler Algeyer does look like he's somebody that uh, the Falcons will be able to rely on in the backfield. Uh, the O-line played pretty solid all the way around, which is great to see for this team. But again, Desmond Ritter, not a good game. Ogunde didn't have a good game either. Richie Grant played well for them on the defensive side of the ball. But again, Atlanta was just outclassed in this game by a Baltimore team that's still trying to figure itself out. For Baltimore, though, positives, Roquan Smith, 15 tackles. I think they won that trade, no matter what Chicago Yeah, we already they knew they were going to win that. that trade. Right, and so, again, good for them. Uh, they weren't uh, Chicago wasn't getting where they needed to with Roquan on the, the deal they were trying to make, but still Chuck Clark had a good game. Zeitler had a good game. Mogan Moores is more... <laughs> wow, struggling today to talk, Are man. you talking, Dan? Are I'm excited talking? That Baltimore had a good game for a change, I guess. I don't know. Morgan Moses had another good game for them in the offensive line. And that's an area where I've talked about them needing to look in the draft potentially. Uh, but at the same time, some of these guys are starting to play better. So that's part of the fun of tracking this throughout the season. Oh, these guys are terrible. Oh, wait, they're getting better. 
Uh, Matabuke had another bad game for them, though, on the defensive side of the ball, and so that's an area they can look at. Definitely linebacker outside of Smith and Queen. Uh, they have those two. They don't really have anybody else, to, so to speak. But again, at the end of the day, Baltimore, you either need to get more protection for uh, Jackson or you need to give him some guys to throw the ball to. That pretty much covers it, and that's been the narrative all season long for them. Houston and Tennessee, go ahead, talk some Titans. How embarrassed uh, are they right now? Well, here's the thing, Dan. I just wanted to, if, while we're on that game, I just wanted to, we got to see Malik. We got to see Malik Willis. Yep. Did you catch any of this game? I did not. I did you see, see. You can see the athleticism it. with him on the ground. Right. But, man, my fear from, I don't know, not everybody, they've been listening to the show since the beginning. They've heard Brad on here, buddy Brad. Mm-hmm. He was much higher on Malik Willis than I was. I think Malik Willis is a great dude. Mm-hmm. I do, but even at Liberty, like the number of times that he turned the ball over is just alarming to me. Like if you're at Liberty and you're throwing that many picks, like what are you going to do in the NFL where yeah. everybody is good? It's like, mm-hmm. that's concerning. I don't know. We finally got to see him. He got 23 attempts in this. He completed 14 of them and threw two picks. So he completed 16 of them. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. could say that. So yeah. I I don't know, man. That's He's not doing that's why I've been so right excited now. to see him, just to see what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. out of the sixteen completions, you say, you know, it's only fourteen. <laughs> Still only ninety nine yards too. Yeah, it's not good. No. Wasn't a good game for not. pretty much so was I, it a good game for anybody for Tennessee? I mean, Derrick Henry had a had a great okay, game so on the ground. Twenty three four twenty six and a touchdown. Right. Yeah, he he had a really good game, and uh, Danico Autry had a solid game. He had seven tackles and a sack, two sack tackles for loss. So, right, um, yeah, there are bright spots. But I, I just wanted to talk about Willis because I mean, they drafted Willis because Tannehill's not necessarily their future, right? Right. We just want to know how much time he has left, and well, we didn't see anything life. that could. We don't really. I, I I didn't have much faith in the league. I had nothing in this helped that so. I don't know. It'll be an interesting conversation moving forward in time right. as we try to figure out what Tennessee does at QB. Well, Houston's trying to figure out what they're going to do. They got to their second win of the year. Good for them. They're still in the number one pick spot. And again, the thought is still they're going to go quarterback there because Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll, again, I'm sure they're great guys. They're not guys <laughs> who are starting at this level in the NFL right now. So again, it's a win. It's great for them to have a win. Christian Harris had a couple of bad games in a row, uh, has now had a couple of good games in a row. It's good for him. Jalen Petrie has turned into somebody that they can rely on on the in the back end of the defense. But the overall for Houston, uh, again, the the linebackers are still a question mark for them. Uh, they have holes all over this team that they still need to plug. And and again, at this point, I'm almost feeling like a you know broken record with that. Okoronkwo had a good game, which was nice to see uh, from him with a couple sacks in this one. So they're they're piecing together some things and they definitely need to sort out some things more things i feel like offensively than defensively because they played all right all things considered but yeah just overall they need weapons on offense they need a quarterback they, they need a lot and so nothing has really changed in the narrative from texas although it's good to see houston the one thing i will give them credit for and i will give lovey smith credit for is these guys have competed in every game and they've they've played well enough to keep games against good teams close. And so that's, you know, a lot of what you can ask for them. And they finally managed to get a win for all of their trouble. Next game on the list, Washington, San Francisco. Go ahead and talk about some 49ers. Well, mate, wait, wait, how do you know I didn't want 
talk about Washington. Because my team go away. I know. He stole one of mine earlier, so I poke a little fun. <laughs> so 49ers gonna talk about one of the best players on this entire team for mm-hmm. a very specific reason. Brock Purdy. I'll give it well, Purdy's been playing admirable. I I, I can't be <laughs> mad at him. George Kittle had a fantastic game. He probably yeah, he had did. the best game out of anybody in this. But I specifically want to talk about Nick Bosa, who had uh-huh. seven tackles, five of which were uh solo. He had two sacks, two tackles were lost. Great game, right? Mm-hmm. reason I want to talk about him is a little bit what we talked about earlier. Like this for this upcoming draft, man, like the, like the edge rusher class, like you think about like the Bosa brothers in general or Miles Garrett mm-hmm. or Thibodeau or Hutchinson or any of these guys, like mm-hmm. there's none of that in this class. And to be honest with you, that's not, you don't even have that with Will Anderson because Will Anderson's extremely undersized compared to all those guys. True. He's a different type of edge rusher. He's more of an outside linebacker edge rusher. Like, right? I don't know. It's 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 making me feel. This could just be me rationalizing about Detroit's pick <laughs> from the Rams, just dipping further and further back. But right. I'm trending towards this. You know, just not being that great of an edge rusher class. I don't see any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, outside of Nick Will Bosa is fantastic, dude. Right, and outside of Will Anderson, who again we think is more of a, a hybrid guy than just a rushing uh, threat because of his size and where they can flow him around to. Yeah, it is. I agree with you. There's no big burly end who's just going to maul people and run past you and that kind of stuff. Uh, but San Francisco has Nick Bosa and they had a win in this one, 37 to 20. It was San Francisco has continued to look good piecing together parts of their offense. They're on their third quarterback this year and they look better than they have almost most of the season. That's no knock on Garoppolo or Lance. This team is just rounding into form very well. They're playing as well as I think people expected them to play. Uh, early in the season, and then you know maybe dip the expectations, come back up again. It's great for them. Washington continuing to be about what you know they've kind of been all season. This average team that sneaks some wins in here and there, and then doesn't play well against others. And that starts and ends at the quarterback position for them. Taylor Heineke, Carson Wentz finally got some time in this game, uh, which is good to see him back on the field after the injury. But neither of these guys played great. Heineke threw a pick at the end of the game. Uh, that kind of salted things away, which is not surprising because I, I know the cult hero that he has become in Washington, but this guy just, he's another guy who turns the ball over too much for me. And you can say he's trying to make plays, which is fine. I get it, but know, know your role. And your role is to move the football down the field, not to turn it over. Jahan Dotson did have a good game, so it's good to see the rookie showing up for them, six or 76 and a touchdown. And again, Terry McLaurin has had a good season all the way across. Jeremy Reeves, Jam, and Davis both played well, but the O-line, is another area of concern for Washington. I mean, they need help in a couple different spots, even at 7-7-1, seven, seven, and one, uh, but the O-line did not play well. Derek Forrest also didn't play well, and the Commanders, they're on the cusp, man. I mean, they're one loss away from not making the playoffs, even though they're technically in today, and this is somebody that uh, Detroit has to hope continues to stumble down the stretch. Washington does have, and again, we'll recap this later, uh, they got the Browns and the Cowboys, so there's a good chance they're going to lose one of those two games, depending on how things play out. All right. Last couple games of the week to get us out of this before we talk way too much about college football uh, in the next show. Philadelphia and Dallas. This was one of the games of the year so far to this point. Dallas had the home game and got the win 40 to 34. So why don't you go ahead and talk about the star for a little bit? I'm just going to, you know, for the sake of time here, I'm just going to talk about C.D. Lamb, man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of my favorite wide receivers coming mm-hmm. out. Still one of my favorite wide receivers in the game. 10 grabs, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Put me in the championship of my fantasy league. Let's <laughs> go. CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. Love this guy. Huge game. 
fantastic game. Yeah, Love you it. and I both had blowouts. Yours just mattered. Philadelphia, tell you what, you want to talk about CeeDee Lamb. AJ had six for 103. Devonta had 813 and two. So they both had really good games. Gardner Minshew CD had a solid still had the game. best game. CD did have the best game. game. But uh, but Gardner Minshew had a solid game, even with the two picks, trying to rally them back at the oh, end. Oh, geez. Here we go. Joe Burrow logic. Look him up. Did he get a 91 grade from PFF? He didn't get a 91, but, but Minshew had a solid game. I'm going to pull it up for you right now. The reason why I put My him in there was goodness. because I remember the numbers being good on him. Hang on a second. Let me, let me get this for you. Little How, bit he fumbled, he turned the ball or he fumbled twice. He had a 73. And he th- that's not even doesn't even make sense. He turned 73. the ball over three times, but almost four. And he did other things well for them. Really not well enough. Sweat I and Reddick both had good games. Yeah, you would. TJ Edwards also had a solid one, but the on the other side of the, the ball, the defense, uh, Blankenship and Epps did not have good games. It's part of the reason probably CD Lamb lit them up. But yeah, Philadelphia probably is going to end up looking in the defensive backfield in the draft because it's clear that they aren't quite there where they need to be. But again, they're still 13 and two. They're still leading the NFC and they're still in the driver's seat right now. Next game on the list, Vegas and Pittsburgh. All you, bud. I'm going to start with a positive note on this one. I got to give a a shout out to Cameron Hayward, man. Mm -hmm. Another D tackle. Not a nose tackle. He's 6'5", 295. That's that's D tackle, not the nose like Dexter Lawrence. Right. But this is a first-round pick guy out of a school I don't like to talk about a whole lot, so it's tough. But seven tackles, ah. two two sacks, three tackles for a loss. Just awesome game from a 33-year-old guy. Still getting it mm-hmm. done, dude. So big, big shout-out to him. You know who I um, want to shout-out from Pittsburgh, by the way, is his brother. Connor Hayward iced the game yeah. with an end around. Good for him. That's all I'm going to say. Man, from another school I don't care for. <laughs> I could have couldn't get any worse for that family. Could have one Ohio State, one Michigan State. It's what weird, yeah. Heck? Bad choices made from college. <laughs> but on the other side of the ball, we don't have to do a super deep dive into this, but it seems to be my thing. I'm questioning quarterbacks. True. And it's official to me. You have to start having a conversation about Derek Carr. That's right, an well, honest one. Raiders fans have been having that Six, for years. 16 for 30, 174 and a touchdown with three INTs. Yeah. It will probably gave him a 60 still. Did you Kidding. watch this game? I watched as much as I could handle of it. This was right. one of the ugliest games. Exactly. I've so I I don't know. In the offseason, we might have to have a conversation. Yeah, it was a oh, very ugly game. QB a, in, in Vegas. Yeah, he had a 58, which means he was a, he was considered below average. So that'll that'll make you feel a little better, right? But yeah, he had an ugly game. Some of those picks weren't necessarily his fault, but I, you watch this game. Derek Carr was missing guys high the entire night, and that's a problem. Yes. Next game, Packers Dolphins. I'll start yeah. with the Dolphins. I mean, tag we tag team on the on the on the gross side of the ball here. Yeah, fine. Uh, you know what though. But for Dolphins, like, I don't even – the wide receivers are fantastic, this and that. There's a lot of great players that played in this game and had really, really good games. Yeah. But is Tua done? No, he's not done. He just needs to figure some stuff out. He's had a bad run. No, I'm not talking about the three INTs in this horrific game that he had. I'm talking about the fact that he's again <laughs> got another concussion yeah. and – it, this it, is bad. It's almost it's to the point where you, you you tap him on the shoulder and he gets concussed. Like, I don't know, man. Well, and again, concussions are always, 
Yeah, you concussions might about are QB there. Right. Concussions get easier to get as you get more of them, and that's obviously a concern when you play in the NFL and you play quarterback. Uh, Miami's issue is who else are they starting a quarterback right now? Well, I don't know. Maybe Tom Brady's free agency becomes a part owner <laughs> slash player. There you go, right? Like all the rumors had. No I conspiracy don't know. with that at all, right? Whew. It just it doesn't look good, man. It no. doesn't look good. He's getting concussions way too easy now. Way, way, way too easy. It's it's not good. On the other side of things, before you go into anything, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jerron Reed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Had a fantastic game. Six yeah. tackles, four solo, sack, tackle for loss. Had a fumble recovery. Mm-hmm. This is a second-round pick, my favorite day of the draft, from a school that I don't like to talk about a whole lot either, Alabama. But all things considered, this is a 30-year-old guy showing up on a great game. So right. maybe a little little too late, but <laughs> don't want to take away from this game. He had a great game, man. No, he did have a great game. And as far as uh, Green Bay is concerned, they, they got a win, but they got a win without a lot of people playing all that well for them. Their tackles finally played well for the first time in a long time. Uh, with the guys that that actually played in this game for the most part, uh, but the uh, I mean Royce Newman didn't, but the the guys who started the game did. <laughs> Zach Tom, Josh Newman, both had good games. Mercedes Lewis had a solid Zach one. Zach Tom, one of one of my sneaky picks, I liked a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, when I started to come around on the Packers draft. It's like man, Christian Watson and Zach Tom. I just hated what they did at the beginning of it. Right, and and Christian Watson is another one that we're going to talk about here because he had another solid game for them. You've you've won by the way in our little our little. Uh, yep. I won. Back and forth between you and Brad. We'll have some fun with that when we get him back on. But most of the, the notes I had were not good notes. Jones didn't have a good game. Cobb didn't have a good game. Kingsley Angabari didn't have a good game. Quay Walker didn't have a good game. Smith and Reed didn't have a good game. Adrian Amos, 11 tackles and had a terrible grade from Pro Football Focus. So this is this is just in, encapsulates the Packers season. They're six and eight. Or sorry, they're seven and eight right now. They still have a shot at the playoffs if they win their last two games as well, which is just disgusting to talk about. Only because it'll be fun to watch Aaron Rodgers lose in the playoffs again. But uh, that's they've turned the season into something noteworthy as they're trying to put things together towards uh, towards the end of the year. But uh, two teams almost seem like they're heading in different directions right now, even though Miami is still a game ahead and still in the playoff picture. Next game on me, Broncos-Rams. Go. Broncos, so bad. <laughs> Were they so even there? So bad and disappointing. Like, I don't even know. Were no, they on the field? I, re- I refuse to say that any single player even had a good game. Because mm-hmm. I don't no, can't happen. <laughs> Russell Wilson, he's cooked. He's absolutely done. This guy needs to retire. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> I mean, this whole team is terrible. Yeah. I, I feel that bad going on him because, I mean, Singleton, Jewel, and Simmons all racked up a ton of tackles. They had like 40 tackles between the three of them, and one of them's a D lineman. That's probably because Singleton <laughs> had like 20 tackles. but He did. Dude, it's it was such a bad, bad. Game. They could draft anything, absolutely anything. And this is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations coming into the year. Well, people picked them as Super Bowl. The only thing they might not draft be a wide receiver, Judy and Sutton. I can't blame them on this season because their quarterback play has just been atrocious. Uh huh. It is. Oh. And, and bad. I think it was Sorry, what they I don't gave want to pile up. on the Denver fans too no, bad. They're, they're beating themselves up enough about it. You, yeah, got something, you want to chime in there? Well, when you think what they gave up for Russell too, like they're going to have trouble oh, with bad. some of those guys. Yeah, because now that pick, thanks to this game, that's like the third pick in the draft. So, right. I mean, they basically gave up the number three pick for Russell Wilson. That's oof. Mm. And you know who played better than Russell Wilson in this game? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> you know who pay- played better than Baker Mayfield? Tyler that? Higby. You know who played better than Tyler mm. Higby? 
Cam Akers. <laughs> Holy cow, this whole offense. Baker went 28 mm. or 24 for 28, 230 and two. Higby had nine for 94 and those two touchdowns. But then Cam Akers got 23 carries, 118 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. Isn't this a guy who was almost off the team a few weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but shoot, dang, he's got something to prove, I guess. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. the whole the whole team does. I mean, all the defense, I mean, I don't know. It, I don't know, Dan. It is just offensively, they just were on fire, and Denver looked that bad. So mm-hmm. I, I got to move off that game. This is the one that made me the most annoyed. Right. Well, no, hey, all second I know most, is... Detroit's made me the most annoyed. Right, then this one. Yeah, well, and again, it's because of the draft position, right? Also just because of how terrible of a game it looked like they had. All right, last two. Tampa Bay, Arizona. Tampa Bay got the win, but wow, did they try to make it interesting? They did, and you know, it's, I yeah, I got to be fair. I got to beat up on Tom Brady while I'm beating up on all these other quarterbacks because he looks rough too. This divorce is in his head. I mean, he looks like he can still play, right? Give him that, but I mean, he's 32, 48, 281 yards, got a touchdown. But I don't understand what all these turnovers are piling up. That's yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. But if I wanted to. You know, and on a positive note on this, I mean, there was some good defensive play, but I got to give a shout out to Leonard Fournette, man. Mm-hmm. If there's anybody who was saving the day for Tom Brady, it was him. I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't do a whole lot on the ground. He only had 20 carries for 72 yards, but he had nine catches for 90 yards off 10 targets. So that was right. a safety net, if you will. So I wanted to give a little bit of love to him. Yeah. And again, Arizona with their third string quarterback and their Trace McSorley of, of Penn State fame trying to make things happen out there for them. It was it was a tough game. They, they only scored 10 points or 16 points for a reason. But they did come back and, and managed to, to get this thing into overtime. Greg Dorch had 10 catches for 98 yards. So, you know, props to him for a solid game. Also ran the ball a couple times. And so that was probably the bright spot, you know, on the offense outside of Josh Jones having a good game too. But then you look at the defense, J.J. Watt, who just announced that he's going to be stepping away from the game of football after this season. So uh, poor one out for one of the better defensive players to ever step foot on the field, he still had a couple tackles for a loss in there, a couple QB hits, and then Jalen Thompson had 11 tackles. And you know who else had 11 tackles? Hmm. Isaiah Simmons. I knew it. I am so happy that this guy. You know who else? Him. You know who has him on his team? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's me. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You I, dropped I, him. I, yeah, I did. It's hard to keep guys on defense uh, the way we do our defensive players. But yeah, I'm glad to see Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Simmons rather continue to have. Uh, a great season. He's got 58 or 85 tackles on the season so far and a couple picks in there. So very happy that this guy is starting to play the way I thought he would uh, for this team. But again, still a lot of things need to go right for them because Christian Matthew didn't have a good game. Jonathan Leber didn't have a good game. This is a team that needs several pieces and maybe I'm not going to say they're going to change their head coach, but Cliff Kingsbury is having a tough year. And again, the injuries are a piece of it. There's no doubt about that. Last game of the weekend was on Monday, the Chargers and the Colts. Both of these are my teams, so I'm going to rip through these real quick. The Colts should just call it a season. I mean, it's like I'm not sure what they're doing out there. They started Nick Foles because they didn't want to start Matt Ryan anymore, and they know that Ellinger is just not ready for prime time. So they have three quarterbacks, which means they have none. Foles, three picks. It, it just, Nobody on the offense had a good game, partially because of Nick Foles throwing three interceptions. I love Nick Foles, but he's just not. He's only been good in one system and for one quick random stretch. It's just the most bizarre career when you look at how things have played out for him. And it's a shame, but, you know, it is what it is. 
And then uh, on the other side of the ball for them on defense, they at least had a couple guys you know, play decently enough. Here, I will say this, though. Let me get back to this on offense. I've been ripping uh, Will Fries uh, for having uh, several bad games in a row on the offensive line. He actually had a good one. Bernard Ryman had a good one. So the offensive line isn't playing that bad, but they need to figure out their quarterback situation. I'm not sure if they'll be in a position to do so, depending on how things play out for the draft. But uh, for the Chargers, uh, Murray had a good game. Samuel had a good game. Durant James had a good game. Drew Tranquil had 11 tackles. Uh, Keenan Allen, 11 for 104. I mean, this is a game that went well for the Chargers exactly when they needed to have a good game. And again, 20 to 3, they got the win and they've improved themselves as far as the playoff picture goes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that got them in at 9 and 6, so they'll be in regardless of the last two games, but they still want to finish strong. And this is a team that is still could could beat you or could lay an egg every week. And it's been an entertaining ride to see what's going to happen. Anything you want to say about those two? No, not too much. Other than Derwin James ended the game a little rough with a controversial play. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting to see what the NFL has to say about him. And so that's something to keep in consideration the last couple of games of the year. Well, we will do a bit more of a uh, look forward at uh, teams and draft positions and all that kind of stuff in the next show, which we're planning on doing tomorrow. It might be Friday. We'll see what happens in one of those two days. We're going to have so much college football to talk about, previewing games, recapping the couple from tonight. Uh, gear up, dude. It's going to be an adventure for us. Facts. Sad times <laughs> in the D, too, Dan. Yeah, well, hey, times. it's okay. It's okay. They're still having a good year. You just got your hopes up again. This is what happens, man. Lions fans, eternally hopeful. And for now, we'll let you soak in that. We'll catch you next time on DraftCraft. Draft.